This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. In five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. I'm your host, David So. We have a very special guest here. We got that OG dancer. You know what I'm saying? We got fucking Ben B-Tech Chung, dude. What's good? You know that anytime people call me OG, I mean, I guess I'm supposed to, you know, take that as a compliment. It means that you're old. You know what I mean? You're that old guy. No, but. man. It means that you have been around the block and you're old as fuck. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess. I don't I'm mind. I'm down, you know, though. I'm down. You know, it's like when people say, like, oh, you're fucking Uncle David or whatever when yeah. you, you, know, you give advice. I actually like that shit. I actually don't want to hold on to my youth at all. Fuck my youth. Like, I, I think being a young person sucks. I kid you not. Yeah. Like everybody has this thing like when they hit 30, they go, oh shit, I'm fucking 30 years old. Yeah. Or even sometimes when they hit 40, they're like, I'm 40 years old. Yeah. Me, I could give a fuck less. Like I actually like getting older. Yeah. Because when I see young people, I like smell number one, insecurity. I smell people who have no idea what they're doing. Not every young person, but because I, I, I see myself in a lot of them, sure. you know, and I don't like that. So mm. when I, when, as I get older, I get happier. Because especially when you get older, you could give a fuck less about what somebody thinks. That's true. When you're Very young, true. all you do is think about what somebody else thinks about mm. you. Specifically for me, what I figured out and what I'm learning right now, and I think I talked about this before, was I'm learning to white lie now, which I, <laughs> which <laughs> I didn't lie. know. I didn't know that I didn't, I didn't do very well. Mm. So it's because I'm very straightforward. It's like, for example, it's wedding season. Yeah. Right? So, oh, yeah. I had a conversation with my girlfriend and she goes, you know, you, you should probably learn how to white lie better. I was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I don't like lying. She goes, I know you don't like lying, but she goes, that's probably half the reasons why we argue because you don't know how, when not to speak your mind. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, for example, it's wedding season. Somebody hits you up. And even if you're not that close to them, they go, hey, I would love for you to be at my wedding. What you should say if you can't go or you don't want to go is, hey, congratulations. I'm glad that you're getting married, but I'm probably going to be busy. Yo, thank you for the right, invite. Right. But what comes out of my mouth is, I'm good. Thanks, man. <laughs> we're not that close. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what made you think we were that close, but yeah. I'm good, man. You have a good one. <laughs> you know? And she goes, well, why'd you say that? I was like, because that's, that's honest. Truth. That's yeah. the truth. She uh-huh. goes, yeah, but they don't need to hear that. Mm-hmm. Like, you could just say, you know, you're busy or something. Right, right, right. Hey, I get it, man. I get it. It is wedding season, though, man. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, I just saw... Uh, well, Ellen was on your show a yeah. couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, she. I saw her at a wedding. She was the maid of honor. Um, she did great, but like you know, when she came on um, our pod, she was talking about how it's just stressful being a maid of honor. Man, it's a lot of responsibility and money that goes into yes. it, bro. I just so um, I'm not trying to out anybody, but a Do close it. homie, <laughs> a close homie of mine, recently got married, and I love the guy to death. I've known him forever. And uh, he asked me to be a groomsman. So Uh-oh. I was like, of course, bro. Like, yeah. yeah, like, you know, no question. So we did it. And so there's like, you know, the, the bachelor party to the renting the tuxes to the hotel blocks to the. And I was just like, wait, so none of this you're providing? Like, this is all coming out of my pocket <laughs> and, and I'm paying for you too? I'm like, got it. Okay. So I'm just like, I got to I gotta be careful who I agree to be a part of like their their wedding party, man, because that's, that's an investment. That's the crazy thing, right? So somebody says, okay, I want you to be my groomsman or best man, and then you think it's an honor? No, that's a fucking burden. Yes, bro. So when I <laughs> – so some of my friends know me so well. Like I was a groomsman for one – for two for two weddings so far, like last year. <laughs> right when they asked me what they pre- what they said right after it was so funny. They go, hey, I would love for you to be a groomsman. Trust me, you don't have to do absolutely anything. You just got to show up. Yeah. And just be, I was yeah. like, because you know me. Yeah, you got you to gotta start with that. Because <laughs> yeah, you fucking know me. Because if you knew that – if you were going to tell me I had responsibilities, they heard you right at the bat, no. <laughs> 
no thank you, but you have a good one. Yeah, that's a real friend. They know you. Yeah, because even for my wedding, if I have a a best man or whatever, uh, I'm going to tell them you have no responsibilities, nothing whatsoever. Because I don't want people to stress out on my wedding. That's why I always feel weird Like if I ask a homie to to work at my wedding. Yeah. You know, unless they really, really want to do that thing. Right. They're like, hey, man, I would love to do this for you. I'm like, cool. Well, just come on and do it. But it would be hard for me to to put all this responsibility on them, right? So. You know, usher in all the guests and everything else. I'm just gonna hire out people. Like here, you <laughs> yeah. some minimum wage. Have somebody usher people Stay in. Stay a staff, man. Yeah. Yeah. All I you gotta you. do is just look nice and drink up. That's yeah. all you gotta do. That's a great what, dude. Let me hey, if you ever need someone to stand for you, my man, I'm down to stand. For like you, as bro. a groomman, all you gotta do is just stand up there and then the rest of the night just drink. Yeah. I don't even want. Sp- speeches just because i know how bad fucking best men and fucking bridesmaid speeches are yeah fucking terrible dude i had this one friend <laughs> i'm not gonna say his name but he's <laughs> listening he knows who the fuck he is so so this was at a, at a friend's wedding and it was one of the it was a great wedding but it uh-huh. was terrible because the dj that they hired i don't know what the fuck i think this fool was like get coming off of some fucking high yeah because he came to the fucking wedding sweating through his tuxedo Amazing. just pale skin dark circle under his eyes and he was supposed to be the mc as well the dj and the mc yeah and so the bride is freaking out now mind you i i didn't want to mc the fucking wedding i was yeah. like well fuck it give me the mic so i took the mic and i started mc the wedding and then i allowed the uh the best man to go ahead and speak uh-huh. now the best man he gave one of the worst fucking speeches i've ever heard in my life That's so like bad. he literally comes up and I, we labeled this his speech. I was born with a curse because <laughs> he kept talking about himself and didn't talk about the the bride or the groom. He just goes, you know, when I first met him, he told me my life was going to be great. And it turned out that he, it was a lie. <laughs> my life went into a downward spiral. And, and he just talked about his pain and his whole life. Depression. And the weird part was he goes, you know, honestly, I always told myself if I if I ever got married. I would want a woman just like him. Yeah. And so we thought he was trying to come out. And so I was like, whoa. And I grabbed the mic. I was like, okay, (laughs) sit your ass down, dude. This is not the time for that. And I pushed him aside. I was like, yo, what the fuck? He was, his speech was so bad. People started raising their glass just to shut him up. (laughs) Just like, wait, was this written? Like he had, this was what he prepared? It was written, written on his iPhone. Wow. And he was reading it off his phone. He was planning to say all of this. This wasn't just off the top. And he was so fucking drunk. He took him aside afterwards, and he finished the speech to him. <laughs> Incredible. That's, incredible. That's what I'm fucking scared yeah, about, dude. Yeah. Let me ask you something, though. Yeah. First of all, I don't really know anything about your your past past. Mm. So let's let's talk with. So if people don't know, Ben is a dancer. He's an entrepreneur. There's a, there's a whole litany of things that he is. Uh, what when did you first start dancing? Uh, it started in high school. I think it was like my sophomore year. I mean, prior to that, I was just like any other Asian kid, you know, kids break dancing just at school. Pop like, locking. Yeah. Trying to all get pussy that. And shit. Popping pop, and locking. Pop. All of it. And, you know, I, I was kind of a chubby kid growing up, to be honest. So I, I had like a bunch of B-boy friends that I was like, yo, okay, I want to try that. To be on the ground moving around. I'm like, I, I can't move like that, bro. You know what I mean? It's just too hard. And um, Trust and- me, I know. <laughs> We've I all know, been to I that. Know what I feel like. like that's how the every dancer origin story is like, yo, I saw these kids breaking at school and I was trying to do that. Um, that wasn't working out too well for me. And then I saw uh, popping. I was like, yo, they're standing up. They're not even looking like they're breaking a sweat. <laughs> like that looks like something I can get down with. So then, you know, this was prior to YouTube and all that. So you find, you know, whatever video that you can get your hands on, you just study the crap out of that. So I found like these old Mr. Wiggles tapes and stuff. Yeah. And so I just kind of started copying that. And then this is during the time where MTV actually still played music videos. So, you know, be watching music videos from obviously Michael Jackson, MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice even. And I just kind of started like imitating. But the funny story was... I didn't even like, so I was a closet dancer for about a year, Mm -hmm. AKA I'm just in my room, like in front of a mirror trying to emulate and then never going outside and showing it off anywhere because it was just something that I was just wanting to do for myself. And then my sister, she took me to a K-pop concert in eighth grade and it was uh, Lula. Lula was out in uh, Hollywood Park 
and she invited me, and I just thought, you know, and, and I'm stupid. I'm thinking I'm too cool for everything, so I'm just like, K-pop? She's like, nah, that stuff's wild. Yeah. I'm not going to go to that. She's like, no, it's, it, it'll be fun. It'll, it's free, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, all right, fine. So I go to it. And I'm secretly enjoying the crap out of it. I'm just like inside, I'm just like bursting with joy. But I was just really trying to maintain my cool. I was like, yeah, this is cool. That's all right. You know? Yeah. And then, but then from there, I was like, yo, why is K-pop so tight? Because they were just dancing the whole time on stage. So then I asked my mom to go uh, get me these like, you know, those Kayo Top 10 yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. videos at like the Korean video store. So she was just stoked that I wanted any any sort of Korean tapes because she just wanted me to like, you know, like learn Korean better, blah, blah, blah. And so she got me like a bunch of these tapes and I watched all of them and I studied them. So there was like H.O.T., Xinhua, like all these groups that were like big in the early 90s or like mid 90s. Yeah. And that was kind of like my intro to. So then I really started to like learn the choreography from those tapes. And then um, again, still closet. No one knew that I did it until... I was like, I was so when I was going to this church, um, a kid in my youth group, he kind of d- was doing the same thing low key, and then we just somehow kind of found so out. You and- like that fucking fruity shit? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, I like that fruity shit too. Yeah, it, that's how it sounds. I was like, yo, man, like, so you like learning this stuff too? He's like, yeah. He's like, yo, we should teach each other. So then we would go to each other's houses, like in the living room, off the reflection, off of the glass sliding door, because we didn't have any, you know, mirrors at yeah. you know, at that time big enough. And it just kind of started with us teaching each other, and then we started learning all these routines, and then we found out these like competition uh, talent shows that were happening, these Korean American talent shows out in like the valley, and then we entered our first one, and we got third place, and we're like, yo, we got third place, like. Yeah, that's pretty that's fucking pretty good. good, you know. And then so we just kept doing it, kept doing it, and then that just kind of fast forwarded into like the whole. There's this whole like collegiate, you know, competitive dance circuit, you know, yeah. that, that I was exposed to. This is like in the early 2000s, um, and just kind of took it from there. And when I got into college, I you know got down with Kaba Modern, which is a collegiate dance team. Just kept going, man. Why does Kaba Modern sound so familiar? Kaba Modern was on ABDC season Oh, one. that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is funny. So that was like my old team. And then I was with Jabberwockies in, in, on season one of ABDC. So I was technically competing against my old team. But Oh, you know, shit. Yeah. That's so fucking yeah. weird. So like Mike Song, you know, who is, you know, Kinja's. He's a you know, co-founder of Kinja's. Before Kinja's, he was on Kaba Modern. But the funny thing was, like, we were homies from back in the day, too. So for us to be on that show competing against each other was funny. Wait, that's so interesting. So, oh, that's weird for you. I So Cabo Modern and Jabberwock, they were on the fr- the first season together. Yeah. It's been so long. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, holy fucking shit. That was shit. over a decade ago, man. And Cabo Modern came in second. No. They technically were, like, third. They were the third runner-up, and everyone was pissed. Wait, who got second? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, so there was a team. Uh, they were based out of Boston. They were called Status Quo. And Damn, I don't remember them at all. Yeah, that's a funny thing, man. Everyone remembers Kaba Modern and Jabberwockies. And they're like, who was that middle group that technically got second? Yeah. Oh. But, uh, everyone knows that Kaba Modern should have been up there. I mean, it should have been us at the, at the finals going head to head. But apparently there's some TV politics saying that they didn't want two West Coast crews going at it. So they needed like an East versus West sort of thing. So they made... Status quo, which is from Boston, and then yo, for some reason, I thought it was Jabberwockies and Kabamana that was in the last. A lot two. of people thought that, but no, that wasn't it. Oh, yeah. what the fuck? That's yeah. so crazy. Yeah. People don't know about a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, though. They yeah. think like everything is as pure as it can be. Like they won because of this, this, and that. It's like no, there are producers that are working their Absolutely. ways behind these shows all the fucking time. Sorry, guys, reality TV ain't real. Like <laughs> yeah. so when you when you joined Jabberwockies, were you you were still a Kaba Kaba Modern member? No, so so I was in Kaaba Modern, uh, two thousand four to five, um, while I was still a student at UCI, and then I graduated in '05. Um, I still stayed on the team for a little bit, but you know I was already back in LA working and stuff, so it was just hard for me to go back and forth from like the Valley to yeah. Irvine. So I I left the I left Kaaba in '05, and then I just kind of started pursuing uh, my solo sort of like dancer choreographer career. Um, so I, I graduated 05 uh, from UCI with a film studies degree. I thought I wanted to get into film or yeah. TV production. I was working at MTV just doing PA grunt work and stuff. Yeah. All the while, I was just kind of seeing all my homies kind of pursuing their 
the commercial dance industry stuff. Yeah. And I was just very curious about that. I was like, man, like, can I do that stuff? But th this was at a time, too, where there weren't a lot of Asians um, kind of being placed in these sort of commercial industry jobs. And yeah. there's only a couple of people that I knew who were actually doing it and successful. And one of them was actually uh, one of my homies now who's what, part of the Kinja's name is J.D. McElroy. He was pretty much the one in that one Asian dude in every Beyonce, Chris Brown, yeah, yeah, yeah. Usher. And so I just hit him up and I was like, bro, how, how do you do that? Like, what do I, if I wanted to do that, what do I need to do? He's like, do you need to get an agent? You need to, you know, you just got to get out there. You got to get people to, you know, know who you are and get your work out there. And so I was working so much at MTV. I was like, dude, this is taking up way too much time. Um, and, and all the while, like, even when I was at work, I'd be like secretly like looking up dance videos and stuff yeah. like that. So I was like, man, this is not for me. And I had a conversation with JD one time I was on AIM. And, um, you know, I was like, yo, man, so like, what should I do? I got this kind of a solid job, but like, I want to see if I can go pursue this. And he was like, well, is that job something that you can kind of come back to later on in life? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, dance is probably something you want to try now, if anything, right? I'm like, yeah. While your so, joints are good. Yeah. It's all nice and lubed exactly. up. Exactly. So I was like, all right, dude, that that's it. So I quit my job there. Um, I just kind of started like hustling, man. Just started going to, I got homies that uh, were, you know, signed to an agency. They uh, set me up with meetings. I got an agent, started kind of going out to, you know, classes and then um, started submitting my resume. You know, these are the times where paper resumes were still a thing and um, trying to get like teaching jobs and start subbing classes here and there. And then um, in 06 was right when, so Jabberwocky started in 03. Um, and I kind of, we would just kind of all find each other at the same events, you know, that, that's the, the thing with the dance community. Um, it's pretty tight knit, you know, and there's, there's like these big shows that happen throughout the year up and down, uh, California and, um, pretty much all the illest from anywhere would show up at these shows. Yeah. And so, um, I started kind of meeting them individually, you know, and then I guess at the time, because I was, uh, rocking with Kaba Modern. Um, they, a lot of them knew who I was cause like, oh yeah, you're that dude on Kaba. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm done and all this and that. So kind of just through the natural, you know, like mingling at these events, we kind of started kicking it and then they would start inviting me like, yo, you should come in session with us and this and that. And, um, KB, Kevin Brewer, he, he started his own kind of side project, um, outside of Jabberwockies in 06, 07. And it was called Super Galactic Beat Manipulators. Mm. And uh, he showed up to one of the classes that I taught in San Diego. And I was like, what the hell is KB doing over here? So I'm shook, yeah. right? Because I'm a big fan of this dude. And he uh, was like, yo, man, I'm starting my own squad. Uh, like, would you be down to get down? I'm like, hell yeah. And I'm, I'm living in, in the Valley at this time. Yeah. This is in San Diego, but I didn't care. I was like, I'm, I'm going to make the drive. Because, you know, at the time, it was just, it was worth it. You know what I mean? Because dance was all I wanted to do. And so just kind of getting down with KB uh, for, you know, a couple years there to, you know, meeting some of the other guys on the side. Uh, it was like in 07 where they were just uh, this is before any of that TV stuff happened before uh, America's Best Dance Crew. They uh, went on America's Got Talent. Um, That's right. I, I remember season that. one, actually. And um, yeah, right before they went on that, they asked me, like, yo, like, would you would you want to get down? And I'm like, of course, you know, so then. We did the whole like classic, you know, we're gonna battle you in. It was like 3 a.m. We went down into Fee's parking garage in NoHo. We started blasting <laughs> music out of his trunk, and I had to go rounds up against each one of those guys. And Man, that's like getting jumped into a gang, yeah, dude. It, it's dance. I got dance jumped in. That's fucking know? tight, dude. Yeah. I'm gonna pop lock the shit out of your yeah. face, bitch. I got battled in, man. And then, uh, and then a year later was when uh, 2008 was when we did ABDC, and then we won that show, and then things just took off, man. Vegas, all of that. That's kind of crazy, the whole Jabberwockies thing. I, I feel like America's Best Dance Crew, I don't know where that show is like now in terms oh, of- Oh, it's done now. Yeah, yeah. but the, the influence that it had on dance was unreal mm. because it was such an underground thing. Yeah. yeah, you know, there was Battle of the Year. You know, there's Freestyle Session. There's all the stuff that everybody knew about. Yeah. But all, it was very niche, right? So nobody really kind of, unless you were into b-boying or you had friends that dance, you didn't really know what the fuck it was, yeah. right? B-boying, and I feel like just in the b-boy scene alone, because of the internet, it evolved into this crazy thing. Yeah. Like if you see, for example, just something small, right? Like I remember back in the day, 
just getting having somebody having an air flare was unreal. Right, yeah. it was un yeah. fucking real. Yep. But then the internet starting to happen, and people started innovating mm-hmm. constantly. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is that? Yeah. People started doing chair flares. I'm like, what the fuck is a chair flare, dude? <laughs> How do you do that and yeah. not break your arm? Yeah. But now, now, now I see like a lot of these European b boys, right? And they're fucking, they're fucking air power is unreal. Yeah, it, the Insane. creativity is there, and mm-hmm. you know, like Korea was on top of that yep. shit, right? And they they still are. But then I feel like a lot of these European cats, they really innovated air power to like another fucking mm-hmm. level. And I can't even comprehend how you even think about this shit. Yeah. But like stuff like America's Best Dance Crew was a huge catalyst for people to really, you know, get into dance. Because back in the day, like I remember if people wanted to dance, they would do it at a garage. There mm-hmm. weren't fucking studios every left and right corner. There yeah. was ballet studios. Yeah. There was jazz dance studios. But how many places did you know had a hip hop studio mm. where people can b-boy, dance, pop, whatever? Like if you wanted to get down, you had to learn through somebody else, almost through like apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. But now there's like classes for people, right? Yeah. There's movement lifestyle. Uh, there was one that you were part Boogie Zone or some shit like that. Back oh yeah, in the day. Boogie Zone that was out in uh, OC. I think now they're in like South Bay Torrance area. Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy, like how I see, especially some of these young people, how amazing they are at dancing. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, there's adults that want to dance like these kids, and they can't fucking do it. Yeah, and there's this talent pool that's coming out that's blowing my fucking yeah. mind. Yeah, I think that's the thing that um, I mean, I think you hit it on the head because of the internet and. You know, YouTube, now Instagram, you know, I think it's literally anything that you want to learn is accessible just by like typing it up. And I think with the younger generation, these kids that are growing up with it, I think kids are naturally, they're just sponges, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they can learn anything and and the kids are the ones that are the fearless ones. So they're going to try that crazy air flare thing, fall on their head and get up and do it again, you know? <laughs> if I try that follow-up, I'm done, dude. Like, there's no way I'm even attempting that again. But I think with combining, you know, the resources of YouTube, the internet, with these kids that are just down to learn and be sponges, they are getting information faster, more accessible, and they could look up other people who mm-hmm. do it differently. So they have this variety now of just offering and then they can now take it into a dance studio because with us too we didn't have any dance studio we're doing it in our garage in our living room floor so you know we just have limited space limited resources but now I think you know with internet what it is people are becoming super talented at a very younger age than before because I think even you know during the time when I was growing up there were child prodigies but it was that one kid yeah. from that one area, and then he was just like so famous. But now, like Kid David, like he was, he yeah. was the dude. You know, yeah. I remember watching Kid David. I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" You know, yeah. he was super fucking young. But mm-hmm. there's a not not to take away from Kid David, but there's a lot of Kid Davids now, yeah, like where sure. young people that are on his level of talent. And he at the time, like I just remember watching him, like this fucking guy's crazy. Yeah, like it's unreal. Yeah, it's just the dancing is such a crazy thing i i think like the one of the things too that i do see a lot though um specifically from i you know i talk to a lot of dancers they they kind of see this thing where kids will emulate a lot but they're yeah. not getting their own style mm, and yep. that's also the the positive and the detriment of it yeah. right so i see a lot of kids who i'm like i know that dance because i saw mike do that yeah or i saw ben do that or mm-hmm. i saw fucking phil do this i'm mm-hmm. like yeah you're just like a, a kind of like a damn what the fuck somebody getting arrested right now Fucking up my podcast. It's real out in these streets of Glendale, yeah. you know? <laughs> some Armenian dude is robbing some poor little Korean lady. Oh, man, but <laughs> but uh yeah, they they kind of like they 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 sample a lot, which is great. I think as a great foundation. I just sometimes see a lot of stuff repetitive where they're not doing their own yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So I think that's the, the cool part where you get to see somebody who's yeah, you dance, but you don't dance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of start to wonder, like, you know, when Motherfucker, if if this if this cop doesn't arrest me, this fool's just going just around him. in a circle, like, <laughs> like a cartoon character. Don't you know we're recording. That? <laughs> on, yeah, but I feel like sometimes, like I see some of these dancers, and I'll, I'll, I'll like kind of glaze over it. Mm. It's it's like the same concept with YouTube. A lot of people have the same content because people are picking what everybody else does, but they're not improving on it. Yeah, and I see that sometimes with dance. Yeah, you know, I think that that's that's so funny because I think yeah, back in the day, you you would catch something, you would see somebody do something and like more than likely you're not going to have it accessible on this, you know, portable device where you yeah. can just watch the crap out of it and learn it to the T. You might've seen it once or twice and then you take it home and then you, you do what you think 
it was. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's how anyone learns. You're going to see somebody do something. It's like, I want to learn that. And then you learn it the way that you think it's done. And a lot of, I think a lot of originality from back in the day came from kind of almost by mistake. You know, mm. you, you kind of doing something in a way that you think it's supposed to be done, but you actually tweak it some, somehow mm. different because you, you're your own person. You're not going to be able to literally regurgitate something you saw once. And then, you know, someone will see, like, yo, that's, that's an interesting take, like, on a windmill. Like, you know, yeah. like, now you're doing it with, like, your arms tucked in. Like, what's that? You know, like, where did you? I was like, all right, that, that's how you're supposed to do it. You know, yeah. and then, like, people take that and then it just evolves. You know what I mean? But I think, yeah, you said it with, with uh, kids now. You know, they'll see something and they, you know, again, it starts with wanting to emulate. But because it's so easily, I can rewind it as much as I want and be like, where did his left hand go at that time or whatever? It, they literally can become, uh, you know, yeah, literally mimic something. And I think, um, you know, that's that's something that, and I, I don't think you can fault anybody for that because yeah. they, they, they're just having fun. They're doing it because it's fun. But, like, I think as, you know, people who are, you know, kind of in, have been in this game, I think that's why people emphasize be original. You know yeah. I mean? It's okay to It's okay to start somewhere. And, and and even learn something the way that it was done from somebody, um, but then take that and then, like, inject yourself into it and see how you can evolve. Because the hard part is, like, I, I even see this with music or any type of art nowadays. Yo, back in the day, if you were a fucking biter, you got called out for yeah. that shit. Yeah. And people are like, well, let let them like this is the phrase I hate the most is let them just live. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, you, you, we're, we have two separate definitions of let them just yeah. live. I understand. Let them just let, let them have fun. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is that when it comes to art is that when you steal somebody's art, you're actually stealing a piece of their originality and their soul. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like the the point and the sweat and tears that it took for them to get this thing, yeah. you didn't have to go through that fire mm-hmm. to get to where they're at. And you just took it. Yeah. Now, mind you, you took it and you gave credit. That's a completely different story mm-hmm. because I know it's like some people go, well, why do they need credit? They just did it for the art, right? No, but you're taking a piece of yeah. their hard yeah. fucking work. Yeah. And even just saying, hey, I learned it from this guy, it makes them feel better because yeah. it shows that what they did wasn't for naught, yeah. right? Because let's say you did something and then you got more famous off of what they created. Mm-hmm. That's great for you, but you're not giving respect where it's due. And that's mm-hmm. that's a part of the art. There is a little bit of narcissism to it, mm. you know? Like, you can't deny that shit. Yeah. There, you want to be recognized for your fucking hard work. And that's anybody and everybody. Yeah. So when people allow this whole biting thing and they're just like, oh, well, it's okay. Like, mm. why? you know, a lot of people who do that shit are also people who are fucking talentless. Mm. They go, oh, biting is okay because you, you want it to be okay so you could fucking do it too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I hate. It's mm. like... Pay homage and pay for fucking respect. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think this is like a great topic because I think people have opinions on that, right? Like what is what is uh, biting and what is inspiration and, and all of that. And I think there's, there's a fine line there. Um, but just what you said, crediting the people um, that, you know, have taught you or that you're inspired by. And, and I think it, it doesn't always even have to be like, oh, this person yeah. personally taught me. He's like, no, I... I watched this person on YouTube or I saw this here and then I thought that was dope. And so like, shout out, blah, blah, blah for doing whatever. And, you know, this is where I've been inspired by. And then you take it somewhere else. And so I think the the crediting side is definitely, um, you know, like, yeah, that's very important in terms of because I think at, at the end of the day, yeah, you're making someone who created it or maybe kind of, you know, was a part of the origination of something like feel better it's like yo that's that's what's up man you shouted me out like thank you you know what i mean and i think a lot of people um that are kind of in this space that kind of have grown up through the pre-internet and we're kind of doing it on that garage kid level and then internet popped up and we like you know like i would say i'm from that generation because yeah i was i was doing this before youtube and any of that and then i kind of caught up late to all this stuff i'm like what is this youtube thing that everybody's talking about oh, yeah, and i'm like sure. yo this there's a lot of stuff out there and you know even from the days from jabberwockies and like you know there was there were crews like in in asia like philippines and stuff that were literally ripping you oh know, dude i saw that with shit. the mask and the whole thing the routine yeah I'm the like, routine what the fuck and 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 yeah it was it, it like it pissed it pissed people off because it's like yo these guys are literally on tv in the philippines like yeah get, getting paid off of this stuff and jabawagi's still over here trying to figure it out trying to make yeah. it you know so 
I think in those in that context, that whole yeah, thing was putang, put, putang <laughs> in a biter, dude. That's what you are, putang in a biter, you piece of Bro, shit. Yeah. Fuck you, you motherfucker. I swear <laughs> to God, I fucking kill you, you fucking son of a bitch. I saw yeah, that shit. Dude. I remember when that shit came out. I was like, what the fuck? At yeah. least, at least try. Mm-hmm. At least try to make it some like even a little bit. They didn't even try. Yeah, they literally took it and they were making money off of your guys' right. hard work. And right. that shit was so fucking irritating yeah you know and there were certain comments they're like well they're doing it just as good so what's the problem mm-hmm. i was like people who say that are ones who want to steal and mm-hmm. be okay with it too mm-hmm. you want to be able to steal and say like well they did it too mm-hmm. because if you were somebody who had just a little bit of just decency mm-hmm. you would never write something like yeah. that yeah because you wouldn't you would know how hurtful it is to work that hard in somebody to take your artistry that shit is it's 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 it sucks. Mm. You know, when I was on YouTube, there was this kid back in the day. I think he got, I fucking roasted this kid. Like, <laughs> I literally, he literally took the the videos that I was doing and just put it on his own channel and just changed his name. And I was like, those are my exact jokes. I was like, what That's the wild. fuck? Yeah. And I roasted this guy and he deleted all those videos. Mm-hmm. But there was a couple of comments that were like, well, he, he's making people laugh. What's the problem? And I'm like, see? And you are the exact type mm. of shit that I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, now, albeit when I had these videos back in the day, they were like failed stand-up bits. So I just put it in vlogs. Right. So I was like, it might be funny to some people. I don't really know. But at the end of the day, it's still mine. Mm-hmm. And even if you gave me credit, you still shouldn't use it because he's making money off of my work. So mm-hmm. as I was working this on a stand-up stage and it was bombing and I had to go through that embarrassment right. and then put it on this video, you now you're taking and you're making money off my work. Like, fuck that shit, dude. Mm. Like, I, I I know people, some people might think that's petty, but it's not. It's hard work. No, I agree. I agree. And I think that's the thing. It's, I mean, well, at least, I mean, not to say that it was good or okay because he credited you, but I mean, at least. That oh, was, he didn't credit me. Oh, he didn't credit you. Oh, I found out oh, through, yeah. some, so I found out through suck, fans. Bro. They're like, yo, this guy's stealing your shit. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, again, I think, uh, you know, inspiration is, is taking something that, um, that you dig, that you that you vibe with, but you have to flip it. You have to inject something else into it in order for it to be your own thing. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you can't reinvent the wheel like ten times over. I mean, it's oh, for it, sure. it's yeah. already there, and everything's been done already. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I agree. Any, you know, from a you know a joke to a dance move to you know a song, someone's gonna start something, and that is gonna like it's going to spin off into something else that looks or sounds or kind of feels like that but there's something different about that and and I think that's what art that's why art's beautiful because I think you can see how something can start somewhere and then evolve into this and even if you look at you know art movements in like painting and stuff like that there was all these different things that these artists were doing and they would look at that and then they would take that and go do something else so that's why there's so many genres from you know from you know, visual arts to mm-hmm. music to, you know, comedy and all that. I think there's, that. that's the beauty of it. And it's dope to be able to see something like, dang, that's tight. I It kind of feels like this or looks like that, but they took it here, you know? And then it, it becomes this game that I feel like keeps art going. You know what I mean? And I think that's what's dope about it. Yeah, you know, just to just to clarify for other people, not everybody's going to be that person that's going to be able to take that and then evolve it into something else. Mm-hmm. I think that should be a goal, and that's a, that's something that should people should attempt. Like I think my biggest issue is when you take it and then you say that you didn't get it from anywhere. Mm. It's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, talk about a slap to the fucking face. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like if you're up there and then people ask you, oh, I just fucking figured it out myself. Yeah. No, you fucking did. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. give credit where credit's due. Like, totally. you know, pe- people talk about stand up. Like, you're right, especially in comedy. I see similar stand up bits all the fucking yeah. time. All the fucking time. All the same jokes about marriage, relationships, whatever. But their twist is how they experienced it in their relationship or Mm -hmm. how they experienced it through their lens. So, yeah, it's technically the same joke, but not really at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that you innovate it. And, you know, some people might have an argument where they go, okay, well, well, give me an example of that in dance. This is my favorite example. Like, I see two, three people that I know that dance, not the same, Mm -hmm. but they kind of had that same swag, but it's same and different, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that kid Schizo and the and the and the Les Twins. Mm-hmm. They have a similar vibe, specifically mm-hmm. the way they dance, the way they hit beats, the way they groove. It's yeah. very similar, right? Mm-hmm. But it's so fucking different at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's where people can see. If you guys don't know who these people are, like in the dance scene, check it out, and yeah. you'll see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like their groove is very similar, yep. but they're completely different dancers. Yeah. And that's an example of innovation and just kind of having your own style to it. Mm-hmm. That kid Schizo is fucking insane. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Like when I saw him dance, I was like, "Who the fuck is this kid?" <laughs> He's super young too, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. Fuck it. He, where's he from? I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he's from. He, he dances. I think he dances in Vegas, right? Or something like that. I think he's like sure. in the Michael Jackson show or some shit like that. But Probably. the kid's fucking insane. I mean, the Le Twins were in the in the Michael Jackson show too, which is... Oh, really? Yeah, if that's actually true. That's hilarious. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's unreal. Yeah. They, they, they were on what... Uh, not so you think you dance. World of Dance. World of Dance. Yeah. We were, so we were on uh, so season one, which was like a crazy season. Um, I, so, I, so speaking of like dance and media. I you guys exposure, didn't win that, dude. That shit was crazy. It was crazy. Because, I mean, the level of talent, you know, on that show. I mean, it's still happening and the talent is crazy. Um, but season one was crazy because, you know, we were on. Kinjas were on there. Jabberwockies were on there. The Twins was on there. Keone and Mari, Ian Eastwood. There's like so, like literally the best of all the categories were competing on that one stage in season one. And um, of course, it's TV, man. So there's, we always have to remember, like we've learned from doing it, you know, from ABC. People are pulling strings. It's it's a show, man. It's it's entertainment. Producers. When the Walkies lost, everybody was like, what? Bro, that was That was so weird. That was bogus, man. Like, I, yeah. like, not even just people who are like dick riding the walkies or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was arguably like, what the fuck happened yeah. here? Yeah. The whole internet exploded. They're totally. like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was such a weird thing. I don't know what happened there, but. And, and I, I, I actually was like, yeah, I'm glad we're talking about this because so, yeah, I mean, I was a part of the jab walkies. So um, people were thinking like, yo, is this going to be weird for you? Like, yeah. Competing against your own squad. And I'm like. 100% it's going to be weird. Like, <laughs> of course it is. Like, yeah. this is like, you know, these are my brothers. Like, I spent so much time, um, you know, learning from these guys, literally living life with these guys. And, you know, life happens and I'm back here in L.A. And then I'm over here with Kinjas. And, like, that was something that I didn't know that was going to happen. So it's just more like, holy crap, what is life right now? You yeah. know what I mean? And so I'm just like, all right, well, here we are. But I look at I look at things like that as an opportunity for for growth and um, and it, it's you know, sure it's tough like you 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 see something that you have a past with you see your current situation it's kind of like you know you see your ex at a at a, uh, yeah. at, at a restaurant and you're with your current girlfriend and you're like dang do I go talk to her like yeah, do I act yeah, like yeah. I don't see her and all that but for me I'm just like no like this is life you know what I mean and and. And I always do whatever I can to be like, yo, dude, I want to express gratitude where gratitude is due and just continue to live forward with where I'm at now. And so that was a great opportunity for me because like that was me being in that same space with Jabberwocky since I left. And and it was dope to me, you know what I mean? And I was able to interact with literally all those guys again. And it was dope, man. Yeah. And, and so... For me, thinking about like, oh my gosh, like this full circle is insane, you know? Yeah. And, and like here we are now technically on this competition platform competing against each other. But that first season, because of who was there, everybody was so stoked to be there because they saw everyone else that was there. They're like, yo, I can't believe I'm keep competing against, you know, Keone and Mari and like the twins yeah. are here and like, you know, Super Crew's there. Like all the hitters came to play. And it just became this, like, technically a competition, but it was everybody just there to just kind of, like, feed off of each other. And, and ultimately, like, it was just a big inspiration pool, you know yeah. what I mean? <clears throat> but specifically that that episode where Jabberwockies got eliminated, it blew everybody's minds because that round was like a, a battle round. Yeah. Like the duels. And they came to battle. They came to battle, and they were roasty with it, and, like... You know, no, no, no shade to Ian Eastwood and, and the Young Lions. They killed it. They're amazing. I think even the they were shocked. They were like, what? yeah, yeah, <laughs> because I think it was, you know, yeah, they understood the nature of what this round was, and I don't know what the judges saw. I mean, you know, if it was up to audience votes, I think it would definitely went a different way. But you know, for whatever reason, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in those producing rooms and stuff like that. But that shouldn't have happened in the battle round it shouldn't have gone down yeah because the yeah. the theme was battle right yeah. and i felt like ian eastwood he didn't really came come to battle so mm-hmm. i was like oh he didn't really ki- like kill the theme very well yeah but the walkies did so i was mm-hmm. like oh this is a no-brainer yeah and you know just like on a tv sense right why would you eliminate one of the most popular crews out of the show like literally all the comments were like i'm done with the show <laughs> i was like <laughs> yes. why would yeah. you do that there to the show with, uh, millions of views right there yeah yeah it's like sure. that's the dumbest fucking thing to do and everybody was shocked it's like did, did what happened behind the state like the scenes like everybody yeah. was just like 
just dumbfounded. Didn't it make any fucking sense? Bro, your reactions were the same as ours, man. It was yeah. so fucking insane, man. But it's kind of weird, like, how many shows you guys have done. Like, do you do you feel nervous every time you do it? 100%. Uh, and like, I think... It seems nerve-wracking. I feel like if, um, if I don't get nervous, it must mean I really don't care about that. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think for me, um, I've learned to kind of... Uh, embrace my nervous nervousness and the fear of what could happen because I feel like it keeps me in this kind of heightened state of mind. Mm. And, um, you know, like you think, and I think those nerves are, <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure for you too, like, I mean, I don't, well, I would love to know, like, you know, when you step onto a stage where you feel like I need to kill this, you're not going to be like, Psh, I got this, right? Like, oh, yeah, you're going to sure. be like, I'm sweating balls. <laughs> <clears throat> but like I think that's the thing. Like, um, anytime I step on and, and what I you know, honestly, and I, I thank God for this because um I think there was a time where I didn't I mean maybe take every opportunity as seriously as I should. AKA yeah. like if I'm thinking like, oh, this is kind of a smaller show, I'm not sweating it, you know, and then I'd mess up or something like that, you know, and then I'm like, dang, I messed up, you know, and I was just like, Well, how did I mess up this? Cause I kind of went into it with this attitude of just like whatever I got this. And so I think, you know, over the years, like I've just, you know, grown just to be like, yo, every stage you step on, regardless of you're performing in front of 30 people or 3000, like treat that the same. You know what I mean? Like be thankful for these opportunities. Be thankful for <clears throat> the people that came out to support you to, you know, just because it's a TV show doesn't mean that it, that's bigger than, you know, uh, performing at an elementary school with these kids or whatever. So. But yeah, I mean, just to answer your question, the nerves, I feel like, are always there. Um, but I lean into that, and that actually helps me perform better. Oh, shit, yeah. that's crazy. I run away from that shit. I'm like, fuck this <laughs> feeling, man. You know, when you left, when you left, like, the walkies, I mean, that was such a big move for you. I mean, I feel like because you guys built such a huge empire together, and you kind of, and like you said, too, you kind of went into this, and then the whole Kinjas thing happened. I mean... What what led you to leaving the walkies? Mm. I mean, that's such a like for me, like I always look at it from an outside perspective and I'm like, fuck, man, like that would be like trying to rip my own skin off mm. because it becomes such a huge part of your identity. Yeah. Right. Especially because it, even now, who doesn't know who the fucking walkies are? Yeah. Maybe like little kids. Mm -hmm. Right. But as a dancer. You, you know who these people are, mm -hmm. and that's such an iconic group to leave. And then you guys, I mean, obviously you did really well creating your other thing, but how? what was the decision that led you to do that, and what was the reason? Yeah, man, that was a tough one, bro, because, you know, that was, so 2010 to 2014 was where I was in Vegas with Jabwalks. We, we got our show in 2010. And we, you know, we're just out there grinding, building this thing, and and paving, you know, new ground for for dance because um, as far as I know, no one in history is, you know, within the hip-hop urban dance kind of category was able to headline a Las Vegas show. So, yeah. you know, obviously just the the experiences that I, I had there were amazing that money can't buy that stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was just like a, that year of 2013, I was going through a lot of just personal stuff, you know, from, you know, relationship that didn't work out to just me personally feeling that I kind of was losing a sense of myself. And, yeah. and uh, a lot of that was just me not even like I didn't even really know where God was at in my life, though I would always say that I had a relationship. Like there's a lot of stuff that was happening that that whole year of 2013, I started to just feel this sense of something needs to change, you know, mm. and I couldn't put my finger on it, like in terms of like, what am I really feeling? Like, what do I need to change? And a lot of it was an unwillingness to change because I felt comfortable, you know, I was just like, yo, but I'm oh, here, yeah, like just, yeah, yeah. you know, making money and I'm dancing, and, you know, it's cool, it's fun. And like, there was just this quiet voice you know somewhere in the back where i didn't know what that was and i was trying to ignore it was saying like this is not for you you know yeah and so um yeah i just kind of tried to ignore it but it just got louder and louder and things were just happening life was happening and all the while like my family everybody that you know all my friends and stuff obviously you know besides my crew who was out there was still here in la and for whatever reason, I just feel like, man, I just want to go back home, dude. I just want to go back to L.A. And 
and all and there was a lot of other things happening where I was just even second guessing dance in general. Like, is this even still for you? You know, like, do you even have it still like that? And you know, maybe this was a good run. You know, maybe it's time to go figure out life. Put your big boy pants on and go get that quote unquote real job or whatever. And um, yeah, dude, it was a whole process of a year. And, you know, there was just a lot of transition happening with my personal life to what was going on, you know, out in Vegas to what I was feeling drawn to in L.A. That it was just this, you know, we I sat down with the guys and we had this talk and and I was so afraid to have this talk because I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And um, of course, the fear of the unknown is the worst. It could be so paralyzing. But that conversation and the way that things kind of just happened was like, oh, this is so meant to be. There was like, there wasn't this sense of like, oh, dang, like I shouldn't have said that. Or like, oh, like, why is this happening? More of just like, whoa, I think this is the right choice. You know what I mean? And and so for me, I felt like, man, and I, you know, I've always been a fan of the Jabberwockies. I was at the very first Jabberwockies performance in 2003 in the, in the audience, just as a fan. And this was before, again, this is the first performance in life. So no one even knew what the heck a Jabberwocky was. Like the way yeah. that it was spelled in the program was like, not, a, not the yeah. way it was spelled. It was just like, the, like yeah. beta phase freaking blew my mind, man. And I just knew that like, these guys are going to change the world somehow. I'm like, and I'm tripping out by myself watching this and like the rest of the audience is just quiet. And I'm just like, are you guys not seeing this? This is insane. And so I knew at that moment that this is, they were going to be the biggest. And like for me to, to actually be a part of that group was just like, wait, how, how did this happen? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Dream come true. And I, and you know, and I told the guys, you know, in my like kind of final sort of meeting with them, I was like, man, I started as a fan day one, and I'm a fan now, and I'm gonna be a fan for life. You know what I mean? So that that that's something that I'm gonna carry with me forever. And you know, I had no idea what was on the other side of of that move in terms of coming to LA. There was not honestly, I wasn't even planning to dance anymore. Like I said, I just kind of felt like I fell out of love with it. Um, it just was like a love hate sort of thing because it, it it just I just associated so much of you know, the drama that was going on in my life, everything was just tied in together. And I just felt like I need to just maybe step away from all of this. You know what I mean? And so when I came back to LA, you know, I had no job lined up. I had no idea what I was going to do. Thank God I, you know, had some sense to have some money saved up. So I was like, cool, I got some runway, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. And, um, and then when I got back to LA, so Mike and Anthony, who are the founders of Kinja's, uh, they founded in 2010, and uh, it was just like a homies, like fun crew. They they would get together, you know, every so often to put together a show, um, and then they would just kind of go do their individual like dancer hustle. And that that was when Mike and Anthony were they're doing the whole YouTube thing on the solo tip, and they're killing it. You know, they're traveling the world, teaching and all that. But the timing, I guess, of 2014 was when they were kind of getting tired doing their own individual hustle. And they were like, man, it's just not fun traveling alone. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it sucks, yeah, man. I, yeah, I mean, I'm how sure often you... can you jack off in a hotel, man? It's just, <laughs> hey, and after a while, you just got no juice left. It's like, fuck, man. Fuck this shit, dude. I'm just going to not do it today. Hey, man, that's real talk, dude. That's real talk. Shit sucks. And you got a girlfriend. It's like, fuck, I can't do nothing. I, re- I really do just have to jack off and go to my hotel. Look at this. All the fucking sheets are all crusty. I was like, man, you need to change my sheets immediately. It's real spit, man. <laughs> But yeah, man, so with these guys, they were just kind of in this, you know, in this space of we're tired of doing the own, you know, solo thing. Like, let it'd be way more fun to do it together, you know? So they were just like, man, let's let's start pouring all of our focus into Kinjas, you yeah. know? Let's hit up the homies that, you know, that were down with the squad at the time, that, you know, we, to see who's down to actually pour into this thing. And that was the time that I had come back to L.A. And so I've known Mike for, man, probably over 15 years now i met him since college right well before college he was in high school when i first met him he actually oh yeah he started dancing like after kind of seeing me and my little k-pop group perform at like a ucla korean culture night and you know he's this high school kid who's like yo this looks tight and he's like oh shit i want to do that fruity shit too (laughs) (laughs) you do that fruity stuff don't knock the fruity stuff it's it's dope but yeah so he kind of started um, you know, in high school after kind of being inspired by, you know, my group to, you know, things that, you know, from Wiggles and all that stuff too. So he kind of started there. So when he, 
uh, went to college. He came to UCI. He hit me up because he knew that I was there. And he was like, yo, man, I'm coming to UCI. Um, I want to dance. Like, what team am I getting down with? And I was like, bro, you got to get down with Cop Modern, bro. You already know. And he's just like, all right, well, let me check you guys out. You know, so he came to one of the performances uh-huh. and he was like, yo, okay, cool. I, I want to dance with Kaba. So that, you know, from there we got tighter, ABDC happened. And so we, we've just kind of stayed, you know, just in contact over the years. That's like a and, full circle, dude. Yeah. And Mike and Mike and, and Tony actually were the first uh, swing swings for the Jabberwocky show. They were in Vegas and they were doing the show. They were kind of like our, our um, you know, swing cast and yeah. stuff. And so... When Mike was out here, I knew he was grinding, you know, so we just connected. Just we grabbed lunch one time. He's like, what's up, man? What are you doing here? I'm like, bro, I'm here. He's like, for how long? I'm like, for good. And he's just like, what? <laughs> he's like, what, is, what does that mean? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, what about, you know, Vegas and Jabwalk? He's like, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm back, dude. I left. I'm just trying to figure out life right now. And, you know, he was kind of in this, you know, Mike's very good at kind of reading a situation to just be like, oh, okay. Um, you cool? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm good. He's like, all right, well, if you need anything, man, let me know. I was like, for sure, you know? And so um, it was just one of those, like, I'm kicking it with my homies because I just felt like I needed to be around people, be around people that, like, homies from, you know, back in the day and stuff. And we fast forward to, I go on this road trip, um, you know, Mike and Anthony were traveling cross country, just driving, and then uh, they were just visiting landmarks that they've always wanted to see. This is kind of like a bucket list thing for them. And so they knew that I was back in L.A. So they were like, yo, man, if you're not doing anything, like, come out to the Grand Canyon. We're going to be in Arizona, like, on Monday. Meet us out there. I was like, cool. I got no job. I got nothing to do. So I I rolled out there with my homie Sean. And, um, you know, we were just like, it was so perfect because we were not, like, dance. I mean, we were kind of, you know, here and there. We would talk about it, maybe even session a little bit. But we were just on some life tip, just like talking about like, yo, like, what are you learning right now? You know, like, wh- wh- what are you into? Like, what do you want to do right now? And it was just. I sound like some Anthony Lee shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. That motherfucker you know, is spiritual <laughs> as fuck, dude. You, yo, if that motherfucker meditated anymore, this motherfucker would float to JK News. <laughs> this was so spiritual. I fucking Shout hate you, man. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love yeah. that guy. He's yeah, just he, like he's such a nice guy. I'm just like, oh god. Yeah, he just, just turned 33, man. So he's on his he's on his manhood right now. I know. You know I, and, I feel, I'm surprised he's he's not, he doesn't like patchouli oil and fucking like eating veganism and shit like that. He's a vegetarian or some shit. He was for a bit. We all were for a bit. We all we watched oh, because that, of the uh, fucking Stephen and Michael, huh? Well, so yeah, shout out Impact and Villain. You call him Steven and Michael. Oh yeah, that's right. That's their that's their that's their dancing names. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, Wiggles and Pickles. They're the <laughs> vegan the vegan twinges. But uh, no, for us, we watched uh, that documentary on Netflix. What the hell? I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, that fucking propaganda bullshit. Uh, hey, I've seen all these other ones like Cowspiracy and and all these other ones. None of those did anything to me. But what but the you know health? What the health is solved? Conspiracy, man. Not a conspiracy, but there was a lot of just fucked up facts on it. Oh, like, I mean, I, I definitely know there's bias. In, I when wish, you watch a documentary, you got to know there's bias. In I there. wish I just had some empathy, man. Because every time I see, you know, remember that one documentary? Uh, what's it called? The fucking fa- the fast food one. Uh, super size, super size, yeah. right? So when I saw that shit, and that guy was getting fat and eating the burgers, I was jealous. I was like. <laughs> 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 Fuck, I want a fucking burger so bad right now. And it didn't deter me. I actually got McDonald's after. And I didn't even like McDonald's at the time, dude. So it actually That's got me amazing. to eat McDonald's, that fucking documentary, dude. Dang. Shout out Super Saiyan. So are you are you vegetarian or vegan? I am. I've been vegetarian for... Oh, vegetarians. I feel like I could be a vegetarian. Yeah, it's, it's doable because one... I mean, I still eat eggs. I still eat dairy. I'm good then. See, that's all I need. Yeah, you're good. And and uh, what I realized, so people ask me, that, and anytime I talk to like somebody who goes vegetarian or vegan, what's the first question they always ask? Like, so do you feel different? You know, like, mm. do you feel better? I'm like, honestly. I fart I f- a lot. That's true too. That, you said a lot of fiber. That happens. But uh, I was like, honestly, I feel the same. And they're like, oh, what? I'm like, but so that's the good thing. I don't feel different. I don't feel less energy or I don't feel more tired. I could still like go to the gym, work out. I still feel like I get the same results that I want. So I'm still getting my protein from plant-based products and stuff. So for me, it was more of if I'm not losing anything by taking meat out of my diet, that must mean it's a good thing. Cause it's not like I'm helping myself by eating a ton of meat. Cause I know like as much as the documentary, there's bias in there. I, I definitely feel like there is absolute correlation between you know, meat products and and metabolic disease. I mean, that's just, you know, people from heart disease to cancer to high blood pressure, gout, 
all that stuff. That's like that. But see that all that stuff though, like that you saw, is also in conjunction. So the the problem with that documentary is that they don't. People don't ever do conclusive studies based on people's previous diet before, right? Mm. So, for example, a lot of people will do this. And I this is the only stuff that I looked up because, you know, I lost a lot of weight recently. Yeah. So I, I had to do thorough research yeah. to a certain extent. Anyways, but they, they'll do stuff like this. They go, meat is bad because it causes inflammation, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But what are you eating with that meat? Mm. Are you having a high-carb diet? Is it also high fat? Is that in, con- in conjunction with processed foods? Mm. Or is it just the meat alone. Mm-hmm. So those are the scientific studies that people don't talk about, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people who go into veganism, vegetarianism, right? Because it does wonders for them. And the reason why is because of this. When you when you do that and you switch your diet, you're also becoming more mindful about what you put in your body, yeah. which is what you weren't doing before. Right. But if you did a conclusive study against somebody who did eat protein, but they also ate a lot of vegetables, they didn't eat processed foods, a lot of sugars, would that person's diet or health be as worse or better or the same as somebody who just went vegetarian. Mm. So those are the things that are really different, right? Yeah. So for example, one of the things that helped me lose weight a lot and what I found out was that I would do two things that were really messed up. So your body tends to have two sources of energy. You're either a fat burner or you're a carb burner. Mm -hmm. That's really about it, Mm -hmm. right? So problematically what happens is people mix both. So here's a great example of something that's terrible for you. Pizza. Mm -hmm. High fat, high carb. Your Mm -hmm. body only burns one source of that energy. And if you're a carb burner, what happens to that fat? It just becomes stored. Mm. And this is this is just like basic, basic fucking knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's where that difference is. It's like when, when we see a lot of these documentaries, yeah, they'll put these studies out, but they're not talking about the other 80% of yeah. it, right? For me, I understand vegetarianism in the sense of like, I, could, I think if somebody told me, hey, yo, be vegetarian for a month, I could definitely do it. Yeah. It's not that hard. Like in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. like I don't need to eat beef. I actually only started eating beef until I was like, like really eating beef when I was like 19 or 20. Mm. Cause I didn't like the taste of it. I thought it tastes like you didn't like the taste of beef, bro. No, didn't I didn't like kalbi. I didn't like purgogi. I didn't like any of that shit. Like I like chicken. I like shrimp. Mm -hmm. I like fish. That was like my main shit. Okay. I could honestly, if somebody told me pescatarian, I could do that tomorrow. Oh yeah. For the rest of my life, and it wouldn't be a fucking problem as long as I could have sushi. I'm pretty much good. Oh yeah, I love sushi. You know, but like vegetarianism, I feel like it's easier for Asian people because we got a lot of flavor in our shit. Yeah. I feel like if you're a white person, sorry, dude, (laughs) shit sucks. I've I've been getting down on a lot of tofu, and I know I know oh, eating the shit, too bro. much tofu is not good too. It has a lot of whatever estrogen or whatever in there. I heard that shit gives you titties. Is that shit I true? Know. Is I that know, fucking why I got these shits, dude? <laughs> fucking eat tofu all the time, dude. I gotta stop eating soy fucking the fucking little edamame and shit, dude. I know soy products are good, but yo, so I mean, I I totally agree. I think vegetarianism is a lot easier to do because there's a lot of other options out there, and I eat if there's a vegan option where I'm at. I'll choose the vegan option, but it's just, it's just so inconvenient, when, especially when you're traveling. When oh, you're yeah. in Asia, bro, vegan vegetarianism. China, they don't even know what that means, bro. They'll yeah. be like, yeah, there's a vegetable dish and there's like chunks of pork in there. You <laughs> I know, know. What I'm saying? <laughs> like it's crazy, but um, yeah, I think for me, I, I I went pretty much a whole year with just sticking to the vegetarian diet, but I again, I I look at it as like a logical thing. It's what you do, what you do habitually, you know, what like are, are part of your daily rhythms are is what's going to have like a long term effect. So like if you go to the gym once a week, you're not going to lose weight. You're not going to get yeah. buff. You know what I mean? And same thing with like, you know, your diet. You know, if you like predominantly fill your diet with a certain type of, of food. Oh, for sure. That's your your health benefits are going to come from that. And if every now and then you eat a piece of meat or you go out for even a Korean barbecue once in a blue moon, it's not going to it's not going to kill you. Yeah. So I think for me, like, I mean, I get that. Dude, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. So on Thanksgiving, I'm sorry, I'm eating my traditional family Thanksgiving meal because yeah. that's just what I love. But yeah, like my regular rhythms don't consist of meat. Meat products, other than dairy, and is is one of the bigger reasons why do you feel be, do you feel bad for the way animals are like not at all. And treated? Not at all. I, I'm sorry, animal animal lovers. I I love animals, but that's not why. Good because I, feel... I chop a fucking pig's head <laughs> off right now. I could give a fuck. People, dude, I I know, dude. There were some like vegan and vegetarian people that hated my guts. They're like, you would just kill a living being like that? Yes, I would. I would. I would kill your fucking baby sister if I had to. So don't even talk Yikes. about animals to me. All right. <laughs> like I hate you so much. If I see a, one of your, I will kick them in the fucking chest. I will eat a pig, cow, whatever. You know what I do have a problem with though? I can't eat veal because uh, of baby cows. Baby cow. Yeah. Because I saw a baby cow. Because you know. Sacramento is a super agricultural 
a city. Mm-hmm. So I saw a baby cow fucking fluttering its little eyes. I'm like, mm, I can't eat you yeah, now. Nah, like yeah, you stupid. Weird. I should have never saw you. And it was like licking my hand and shit. And I was like, eh, now I can't. Kill I've you. never tried. Have you ever tried it? I did. I okay. love that shit. Veal milanese. Oh, what, what's what's the difference between veal steak? tender as uh, fuck, dude? Like you. filet mignon tender is cool. Yeah, uh-huh. Veal is extra tender. Oh, so okay. it's it just has this texture that's amazing. But. You know, it's a baby cow. And yeah. the way that they're treated, too, like, they don't let them move, so they, they don't develop a lot of muscles. Yeah. And then they slaughter it. I'm like, uh, at least a cow gets nice and fat and it gets an electric <laughs> bolt up its ass. You know? <laughs> you know? I'm, live I'm the okay. whole life. You I'm know? okay. I, I know, like, I know, like uh, Michael and Steven, or oh, I'm sorry, Impact and Villain. <laughs> Impact and Villainous. Villainous. I know, like, for them, like, they're on this vegan kick. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that if they saw me the way I eat meat, they'd probably throw up. But... <laughs> You know what's dope about those guys? So they they've been vegan for years now, but they don't they don't knock people who eat meat. They don't make people feel bad. They're like, yo, man, yeah, because they're decent human beings. Yeah, they're great great human beings. Shout out villain. Sometimes though, I just want to see them and just eat into a, eat a rib right in front of their face. Like, <laughs> what you think about this bitch? <laughs> just, okay. They'll probably impact me. Yeah, dude, do it. Yeah, like you positive <laughs> motherfucker. God, dude, those guys are so positive, man. Yeah. They're so spiritual and I shit. Love those guys. It's crazy because they're mong, and I know those motherfuckers eat pig blood, but then I did straight up no meat. That's what I'm saying. So when they told me before they were vegan, they literally ate the crazy meats. Yeah, like crazy the, shit. The stuff dude. that I'm like, yo, I didn't even know people eat that stuff. Yeah, they, they would love it. That's because they got yeah. scared out of meat. That's why. Maybe. That's Maybe. fucking crazy. Yeah. I, I remember watching your guys' like Insta stories, and I was like, everybody is becoming a fucking big. Oh, did this shit stop? Well, the fucking video shit cut out. But I know I was wearing my jacket earlier for content. It's getting hot. <laughs> it's getting hot. It's okay. Yeah. I got I got this fucking uh, Winnie the Pooh over my dick because I got boner. <laughs> I forgot what the fuck we were talking Ooh, about. Yeah, we talk about meat. And baby oh yeah, cows. but fuck about baby cows, bro. Yeah, but Michael and Steve are super nice, and I've known them since high school. They were dancing. That's wild. They were in a crew called the uh, fucking what the fuck were they called? It was fun. It was a funny ass name. Oh, the Psycho Six or some shit. Psycho and that six. went into uh, dude. B boy names were the funniest shit on earth, dude. Oh yeah. Like you had to somehow make it hard, but not weird at the same time. <laughs> it was like <laughs> they went Psycho Six, and they had the, they had Underground Flow oh, after yeah. that, and they're still going on to this yeah. day. Underground Flow. UGF is killing it right now, yeah. dude. Michael and Steven were always the most talented ones though man yeah they, they just they were just always about it Fuck. did you ever get down with those guys absolutely i didn't have the kneecaps for that shit dude <laughs> but you think i'm fat now dude you should saw me back in the day god damn it but i, I always loved dance because everybody danced yeah. you know i think everybody tried like i tried but i was like man this shit ain't not for me dude mm-hmm. i cannot do this so i stuck to a guitar and i was like fuck it some something got to get me pussy either dancing or music <laughs> so it worked out man so, so i went to music instead yeah but dancing was always always something that you know i think everybody loved you know what's funny about that i think so Earlier, we were talking about uh, ABDC and like uh, the whole TV thing that kind of put um, at least dance crews were kind of spotlighted in in that show. Because before that, so you think you can dance was happening, um, and then you know through the commercial dancing, you would some sometimes see Asian people out there doing it. But ABDC season one was this weird sort of phenomenon because prior to that, that stereotype of you're Asian, you must be able to dance didn't exist you know what i mean and um i think it blew people's minds when they watched that show season one they're seeing kaba modern all mm. these asian faces jabberwockies we take off our masks pretty much asian minus kb who is probably more asian than all of us. <laughs> but like you know and people were just like yo what like these asian people can dance you know yeah. and then so after you know we won the show and then you know, we're doing all these interviews with uh, all sorts of publications. A lot of Asian publications were hitting us up, right? And they're just like, how does it feel to finally, you know, have Asians on the map, you know, and kind of get recognized for, you know, doing things that are kind of considered to be these sort of like urban, you know, artistic, yeah. you know, whatever. And and it was weird to us because we're like, but we've been doing this forever. You yeah. know what I mean? We've been, it's not like we just decided yesterday to be like, hey, let's start dancing and yeah. let's get on TV. It's Y'all like, remember oh. fucking Bionic? That motherfucker was dope as oh, shit back in the Bionic. day. Bionic, yeah. 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 He's the OG, man. Yep. I remember him fucking uh, Battle of the Year, dude. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's not a B boy, but he's fucking killed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's sick. He's an OG popper, man. And yeah. so I think um, that was what was interesting because we came off of something not knowing how the world is perceiving it. And then it somehow developed this sort of positive stereotype of like Asians can dance now, you know, and then, you know, it's that thing too. Like, I feel that was the weird thing, especially moving out or like kind of going outside of Cali. I think we were very blessed 
to just have been around so many different cultures that could just do whatever the fuck they wanted. Mm-hmm. So when people said like, oh, you know, like on YouTube comments, they would hear, you know, maybe the way you speak or I speak. And they're like, yo, why, why are you talking like that? Mm. Like, why, why you talk like that? That's how everybody in California talks. <laughs> what, are you, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. But they live in a very small world. It's like they were either that, there's only a few Asians there, or their Asians were just like the fucking pencil pushers and the fucking number crunchers. Right, right. So it's like, oh, those are the Asians. You you are the Asian stereotype that everybody makes fun of. Right. And you still exist. Yeah. But over here in California, specifically like Sacramento, it's not much of those. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everybody just, they are who they are. Yep. And depending on whatever neighborhood that you grew up in, you absorb that culture. Yeah. So when I, when, you know, whenever I heard people say like, oh man, there's, you know, you're you're that different Asian. I'm like, I'm not that different. Everybody's like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, where I'm from anyways. So I didn't think I was right. very unique. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, you talk about the way that we talk. You know, so I, I love people who with accents, right? It's like, oh my gosh, Australian accents. So yeah. Hot, you know, British accent. And, you know, when I would travel to these places, they're like, oh my gosh, I love your accent. I'm like, we don't have accents. <laughs> We're from you California. You have an accent, motherfuckers. Yeah. They're like, no, you totally do. And then and even my friend who... Uh, she was Canadian, you know, and then she's like, I love, like, you have a very specific accent. I'm like, what? Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking That's about, the, you know what I mean? But I guess it's the Cali like, you like accent. it? All right, get naked. How about that? Get, get butt ass naked and walk, crawl into my bed and call me daddy. How about that shit? Man. You fucking cute girl. All right, well, you know, it was great having you in. Hey. Fuck, I wish, I hope a lot of this shit didn't get cut out, dude, because hey. it was so fucking good. It's all I, good, man. I knew it. I fucked up. I knew I, I should have switched out the fucking car, but I was so lazy, and that's that's my fault. Fucking George, you should have reminded me about that, you piece of shit. It's all good. George is going to be editing this shit, or Bryce. Well, fuck you guys. I love you guys. Shout out George and Bryce. Let's go. <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, you guys could check us out at uh, Spotify, iTunes. Give us a five star. See us on all audio platforms. Leave in the comments below who you want on the show, what you guys want us to talk about. Ben, plug your shit. Uh, I'm on IG like everybody else uh, at BTEK, B-T-E-K underscore Ben Chung, B-E-N-C-H-U-N-G. Uh, follow Kinjas at Kinjas, K-I-N-J-A-Z. We got a podcast, Kinjas Podcast, cast with a K. For some reason, we spell everything that has a C with the K. That's why nobody can find you, we, motherfucker. We That's why you keep me spelling your shit. <laughs> we should be knowing this uh, spelling stuff. But uh, Kinjas.com. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We're on Twitter, Facebook. If I don't know if people still use that stuff, but you know, at Kinjas. They do OG. Oh yes. My generation. We're still on Facebook. That's why I'm still plugging away. But yeah, we're on we're on all that stuff. Cool. Yeah. All right, y'all. We'll see y'all next time. Peace.